Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Politicana. Today we are in episode 25 where myself, Tyler, and Pratik discuss the political theory of regime change as well as our thoughts and opinions on foreign policy in general as well. We hope you enjoy and let's get right to it. So what are your yeah. thoughts on like Middle Eastern countries? So like Saudi Arabian monarchs? Like theocracies? Like... No, not theocracies. Theocracies. But they are theocracies. Iran. But Kind of. Kind of, but not really. So Saudi Arabia, Jordan... Um... I guess you can't really call Syria one because they just have the Assad family that are there. But in terms of certain countries like Jordan, Kuwait, Bahrain, Qatar, and Saudi Arabia, the Gulf monarchies, mm. what are your thoughts? Do you think that we should establish a democracy? Or yeah. do you think we should let them be monarchs? Because if I you're letting them be monarchs, then you're completely disagreeing with your own point that you have. I'm not saying push them. anything on anyone else. I'm just saying there's levels to the evolution of society and monarchy is lower than democracy, as far as but, I can tell. As far as the values and freedoms given to every individual, it's a lesser system. It's antiquated. They're hanging on to something that's old by virtue of it being old and it worked once. It doesn't mean it continues to work. But see... I'm put, pushing this as a question to you because I'm a neocon. So I feel that, all right, you have all these countries that are in the world that are not really treating their people properly. You have all these other systems in the world that are dated and the people's civil rights and the people's rights themselves are being restricted because of the governments in power. So somebody has to step up and do something. Now, if as a libertarian, you're arguing that you don't want to be involved in some country like the Middle East, then you are essentially allowing there to be a monarchy in place well, that on. is restricting the rights of their citizens. That assumes because regime change works. Does it, that assumes no, regime he, change has ever exactly, worked for any it, period it, of time. Exactly. But what I'm saying is if regime change doesn't work, then what's the point of complaining about monarchies in general? We should have all dictatorships everywhere because the people have allowed it. And if the people are not willing to stand up against it, then who are you or me to like debate about it? I'm making an argument that the United States is the most powerful country in the world. And if America doesn't step up in trying to eliminate some of these monarchies or eliminate some of these, you know, dark regimes that are in place that are killing their people, then no one else is going to do that. China is only financing all these people. We're okay. the only ones stepping up. <laughs> Free freedom is one through blood, sweat and tears. There's going to have to be, if you want to overthrow a monarchy, like in Russia, for instance, there is a lot of bloodshed that has to occur. The population has to get to a tipping point. That is much farther than we may think it is because they're, they're so repressed. Like to think I'm going to kill myself so future generations can have a better life. That's a big sacrifice. I'm not trying to put people in that situation. If there is already some large uprising and the government's obviously the minority, maybe I would be more inclined to support them. But, but to say outright, let's go in because they're a monarchy, no. But also, should we not trade with them if they're violating certain rights? Absolutely. I think I think free trade is part of the solution to the problem. And I, I think you agree with that partially. I, I agree with that free trade part. But my, my only argument is that because we are a world economy and everything revolves around literally all the other countries in the world, if we're allowing a country to, you know, practice authoritarian ideals and restrict their people from freedom, then you need to allow regime change and Americans need to enforce it. And obviously it hasn't always worked out. It works out 50-50. There's been certain countries where it has worked out perfectly. Us collapsing the Soviet Union. It did wonders for all these Eastern European countries that didn't have any say in the Soviet Union. Now Poland and Hungary can all live in 
peaceful harmony because now they have rights. They didn't have them before. And but then it's also not worked out in certain countries like Iran. We kind of completely botched that situation. But as I argued in the last episode, we need to promote democracy in Iran. And so that you needs think... to come from Iran. But so... America needs to be involved in the process. If we're the most powerful country in the world and if we're the hegemon of the entire world and finance is literally everything that goes on and anything, then if America is not involved in the process, it's never going to change. And if we're too worried about us being sad about, you know, oh, that country is different from us, then you're kind of disagreeing with the original point that all people are equal. And because we live in a global society, it's America's job, if not, you know, certain countries in the world that are powerful as democracy's job to stand up and raise a voice to prevent some of these authoritarian governments from being in power. America hasn't done that for a long time. We sucked at doing that with China. We literally opened them up. Look at what we did with Russia. After the Soviet Union collapsed, we literally let Putin create a new Soviet Union. We haven't accomplished anything. So, We're Rati, let me ask you a situation. question. Let me ask you a question. What do you think leads to the downfall of civilizations? As far as I could tell, they spread themselves too thin. So what you're trying to say to me is since we're the hegemon, we have to control the entire world. What, what happened to every civilization that's ever tried to control the entire world? They fracture, they fracture, and then they completely break down. So we have to be very, very smart and careful about which regimes we're changing and when. So it's not like these guys are bad, they're bad. Let's go at it, go at it, go at it. And I'm not saying we shouldn't defend democracy, but I don't think it's our place to control the the narratives around the world because I don't think it's possible. I I get. I think their values saying, are. I think people. There are certain value systems that are completely opposite to democracy, and people fully believe that, and they don't want a democracy. Like, how are we going to change the hearts of the people from? the outside i don't see that happening but see you were the one originally arguing how the british monarchy doesn't matter and we don't need to really care about it now my point is that every culture has their own system in place that promotes whatever leadership that they have there yeah. the saudi people probably love the saudi monarchy otherwise the saudi monarchy wouldn't be there anymore that, like, but that's not necessarily true because monarchies uh, can exist because people haven't stood up to them because they're afraid that's fair but they somehow came to power in the first place well, I mean, so but you can come to power through force. Spark, something had to spark to allow it to happen. And if the people are really against something, they will rise up, even if it's cost their lives. Look at every single revolution that has happened in the world. Look at the French Revolution. How many people died in the French Revolution? They even forgot what they were fighting for. Look at the Russian Revolution. Like they completely transformed their entire society because they were pissed off at the Russian government. And you and think we can cause that change revolution. everywhere? You think we are able to dictate that change? I think that the governments themselves, the other governments around the world, have to be involved in the process. If America is just like, all right, Russia, you do your thing. We'll allow you to kill off your people. That's fine. Then Russia will kill off his people. And unless America takes a stand against certain countries by sanctioning them or raising a voice on these countries, if not going in with military strength to you know, eliminate the governments of those countries with at least a backup plan, which we haven't had recently okay, but because with, our with, countries suck at this. But why don't we just go to China then? Like they're they're genociding these people. We know they're genociding people. We know they violate all these human rights. And yet we still know we are going to have to risk millions of Americans' lives to get that done. We're not willing to take that risk. But see, the problem is that certain countries like that, like China, 
and Russia both are very powerful countries. We don't look at it. You had to look at it this way. There's only like five or six powerful countries in the world that have so much dominance that they can literally change yeah, up the, everything. The G7 Two of those countries are United States and China and Russia is in the same ballpark. But you have certain countries that are in there that are in place that don't have all those like you know restrictions. If America wanted to go shut down Iran, we could go shut down Iran tomorrow. We don't really have any allegiance to their government there. Like their government is not that powerful enough that they're gonna shut down the United States. Believe me, we got enough drones in the United States. If we want to eliminate a few leaders, we can make that happen. So so you think but, regime change is possible in any place that doesn't have a democracy? Do you believe I that? think I think that regime change regime change should happen in any place that doesn't have a democracy. What if they but don't want it? My argument is that What if they don't want democracy? Who how do we know what people want? Like if Iran's people are wanting a democracy, they get suppressed and killed to death. Look at Alexei Navalny. The dude is like against everything that Putin is doing, but he's been tried tortured to death like 10 times. But I'm not saying that's not true, but I also- powerful countries who have power, who have resources and who have military intel to actually accomplish something, don't raise up a voice, then nothing is gonna happen. What are like 10 people that are like gonna be killed by the government gonna do? Like you have to have some support support base. If the United States is in support of anything, things can change. But the fact is that we have a bunch of loser leaders that are in power. They don't like to take stands on anything because we don't want to piss off other people. Like this is the whole problem. After Bush like left, we became a bunch of pansies. We don't want to take any action. When Bush was there, he sucked at taking action because he didn't have the proper policies in place that he needed to have to go into Iraq and, you know, create a new government. But because they screwed up in, in Iraq, they're just like, all right, let's just refocus our entire government plan that we've had in place since the 1940s when we had the Marshall Plan in place, where we're trying to redevelop countries to be proper and be dem democratic countries. But if not, they were under the Soviet state. Would you not agree that there are plenty of people, plenty of countries that hate the value systems of America and the West? They hate so? them. So? That because with that, but who's you can't who are they? But who are they? If you have countries in power that don't restrict their people to have any rights to actually say anything, like, oh yeah, Iranian people hate American values and hate democracy. Okay, but how do we know what Iranian people want? If they want anything that is against whatever their government wants, they don't have a voice. But you so can't assume one way or the other argument. is what I'm trying to say. What I, how I see it is it yeah. has to start with it has to start from the bottom up. It has to start okay. with the individual in the countries before you can move to that point. You can't say we have this dictatorship. We needs to change. It's going to change. We have to it say, depends. all right, we have a movement towards democracy. A large. We have to know there's a large percentage but, of the population wants to change. We don't actually know that a lot of the time. We just assume or we say it as a special interest for ourselves. And that's why we do it. We like to assume that America is doing it for the good of democracy. But ultimately, it's an economic gain that we're really trying to get out of the situation. It's that's it our depends. incentive. It all depends. It all depends on how you look at it. Like if America is in support of something, let's say America is in support of, of overthrowing Putin, they will make it happen. They will get enough people. They will get like some kind of freedom fighter base from Russia to stand up against Putin. You need but the population because, to support that, to want to go yes, to war. If Americans don't want to go to war, they won't. No, no. But that's my point is that, all right, you have to have some kind of incentive to 
push these people to do something. If, if Russians are scared that they're going to say text something that is anti-Putin and they're going to be put to death, then they're obviously not going to want to fight a revolution against it, even though they fundamentally believe that they don't want Putin in power. That me doesn't mean that they're not going to try to fight against it. It just means that they can't fight against it. And unless you have some larger leadership or larger, you know, police type situation where they're I mean, advancing these people's interests, their interests are always going to be quelled down. I don't really foresee a Russian revolution going on anytime soon. I don't see an Iranian revolution going on anytime soon. I don't see a Chinese revolution going on anytime Why soon. Why not for all but of those? Why can't we assume that? Because their people don't have any rights to actually say anything and the government but puts anybody down that wants to raise their that, voice on them. Does that mean there's not no everyone's revolution? Alexei it might be. Look at Hong Kong. Like I, I can't. It's hard for me to tell that there's no revolution, given that. But the there thing are is, revolting. what happened from Hong Kong? If the United States was be like, all right, we're in support of Hong Kong, then things would have changed in Hong Kong. But America doesn't like to I don't take stands so. on literally anything. No, so we, because we, we don't like to take stands on anything. No, but like even if literally, if America is just like, all right. We're against the Chinese government. We want to overthrow the Chinese government that's there. If America does that, step number one, other countries that America literally, you know, other, other countries that literally rely and de are dependent on the United States also jump on board. Whether or not they like us or don't like us, because no one really what likes about countries dependent on China. See, that's the thing, though. Whenever that kind of stuff happens, in the end of the day, those countries have to choose an alliance. Who are, who are they more favorable towards, the United States or China? All the Western European countries and Eastern European countries, no matter what they say about how great China is and how they love to do foreign direct investment in China, they're still pro-America. Because if America wasn't there, those countries would not exist. That's the fact of life. And now, if you look at it in this certain hemisphere of ways and you know how the situation has been going on, since the 1940s, the United States has been responsible for literally all the development that has happened in most of the modern world. We were also responsible for a lot of the problems that have happened in the modern world. But that's because we are the hegemon. It happens. People, countries will mess up. They will do things to benefit themselves and it won't be, be beneficial to their people. But if their people don't have a voice in some of these countries to literally do anything because their government is restricting them, if America doesn't step up, their restriction, their, their, you know, them being restricted from having a voice is only going to continue for the next 30, 40 years. I, and it's, the problem is I don't actually disagree with you. It's just in practice, it doesn't work out that way. Either we can't get the regime change we want, we create more hatred towards us for even attempting to change, or nothing happens at all. So but I, see, then, all right, but what happens whenever you have some government like and oh, right. one more thing one more thing i just want to make sure as well uh, something i think about is uh, again going to the empire split fracturing you can't yeah. spread yourself too thin you got to pick and choose your battles so even if you're right it's not like we can go all of the countries you listed we're now engaged with it, it literally has to yeah. be a systematic process and we're not good at good enough at systemized systematizing regime change for it to be something that we can just simply do with every country we look at and say, all right, we think we we're pretty sure you guys are being oppressed. So you probably want democracy. Therefore, we're going to come in and make that change. I personally think if there is a very strong impetus from within the countries to make that change happen, America should be there to help change, but we can't spread ourselves too thin. That's all I'm trying to say. The problem with that logic, though, is that these countries where people don't have any rights, like how many people do you think in Russia really love the Russian government? They're just like, oh, Putin is God. We but believe I don't know. everything that I don't, Putin says. But I can't what I'm know. saying I is can't know that. we don't know. 
We don't know if people love Putin. We, we can't assume either way. Putin. Can't assume either exactly. way. Exactly. But if there, if America doesn't take a stand on things and we're just like, all right, we'll just let them do what they're doing. You have leaders like Bashar al-Assad that chemically gas more than half his population. If America couldn't stand up to that, what can we stand up for? And the fact is that we didn't stand up to Bashar al-Assad because he was Putin's friend. And the fact that all these Biden administration type people are coming in as this gung-ho, oh, we're anti-Russia, look at how great we are. Like the people that they were, you know, predecessors to with the Obama administration, the reason why Putin is so powerful is because the Obama administration shut, shut sucked at suppressing Putin, shutting down his like ideals of like, you know, taking over countries and supporting world dictators that are blowing up half their people and like the fact is that if america doesn't stand up no one is going to stand up yeah but if america stands up improperly we're still as screwed yeah we're in the exact you're better off it's kind of like one of those equations you're better off standing up improperly and helping out a country that doesn't have any rights to allowing their suppression of rights to continue for a millennia of time just because but, you were worried that you didn't know what their people felt. No, like, it sucks. Sometimes you got to think about the cost, dude. If I'm an American citizen, Tyler, I'm going to be sent off to war in who knows what land because we want to make a democracy there. What's my incentive to want to do that? I'm in America. I want to defend American values, American rights. They don't actually want it. We're telling them they have to have it. And I'm supposed to go in and enforce see, that. But see, what I, I'm what, saying why nowadays, should I do that? Nowadays, we don't really have all right war like that. That time ended in the Bush era. Like that's the not Bush true. Era if we have a world different. war, millions, there's going to yes, be a draft if but, there's a world war. For sure. For sure. But see, I don't really foresee a world war happening. Most I of do. these countries, it's most inevitable. of these countries are like, uh, I'll, I'll look at it this way. It's like a court system, right? Let's say I sue you. So we will never actually end up going to court. We will just somehow, you know, resolve our differences and, you know, but all find of history tells me that's wrong. Compromise. We're, we're and, always going to fight. But we're very inevitable. different than we were in other parts of the history. In World War II, all these countries were really independent from one another. Like there was not much globalization and so much connection as there is now. People have a lot more innately more rights in nineteen in, in two thousand twenty than they did night two thousand twenty one. Sorry, that's, than they did in the nineteen forties. And the fact is that people will rise up to certain occasions. However, if the government suppresses people from having a voice, then like, who, how is America not, why should America just stand there and allow that to happen? Look at how many revolutions have occurred from within and look how how many revolutions have occurred because of outside influence. But how many revolutions have occurred since the 1960s? I don't know. A lot. Just literally in Latin America. No other countries around the world have really had a revolution other than Iran. Iran was that one token revolution, that storyline that we all know about. But well, what do you mean by a revolution? You, like Arab Spring can be considered. What you're a saying. I mean, yeah, exactly. With Arab Spring. What happened with Arab Spring? All those countries hated the governments of, Ar- of those Arabic countries. They're still all there. Nothing happened. But mm-hmm. that reason why nothing happened is because America didn't do jack. We just allowed it to, well, I watched it and I, let it all play I out. think you're partially right, but I, I also think part of the problem is since Vietnam in America, there's been a sentiment, an anti-war sentiment. And because of that, it's very difficult to convince American people that what we're doing is right when we don't have, we may have the ethical reasons to do it. We don't practically have evidence that we're good enough to do it and risk our own lives to be doing it. Things are very different, though, in terms of how we all look at military. 
whenever there is any type of military coup or military intervention, it doesn't necessarily mean that you need a whole millions of like, you know, army soldiers to be involved in the war nowadays. Now you have a lot of technology and you have a lot of tactical resources that you can use and you have a lot of drones and you have all kinds of other types of technologies that provide a lot more of strength in terms of military strength than actual people ever did. And the fact is that if America has all that military capacity, we have all those drones and technological weapons and all that stuff at use, we don't really have to do anything. You just intimidate countries. Some countries will fall apart like that. Like, all right, if we're if Bahrain, if we're pissed off about how Bahrain is treating their people and their military monarchy, then we could just be like, all right, Bahrain, if you don't change your you know government in place, then we bomb your leadership and we bomb your royal family. We target it. You don't just bomb people just because you're like, oh, Bahrainians, let's just bomb everybody. You're targeting it on certain individuals. Things have changed a lot. Obama administration was instrumental to that change. The problem with the Obama administration is they didn't have the balls to actually do anything. And the Trump administration just became buddies with all these bad people. But the fact is that if these countries actually wanted to change something, and if you as a country were pissed off about how certain countries that are in power are handling things, we can literally just intimidate those countries. We bomb off a few of their bad people and their families, but they're like kings and things like that. A threat is nothing if you don't back it up. And then if they cross that red line and we do nothing, we have to do something about it. That's that's war right there. So we, we literally are making a decision to go to war for but other what, countries. But what, we I'm don't saying have is, to. what I'm saying is war is very different nowadays. Technically, yeah, we're yeah. at war with Iran right now. How many people are in Iran's military Partic- right now? I, you can't assume that it's that's just how it is, because especially where the battles are being taken place, it's not all you're, there are people on the ground. There are people legit dying on the ground. And like, obviously, we're very well protected in America just because of yeah. our, our location. But almost every other country in the world is not like they don't have that advantage. OK, but what I'm saying is that you don't ever really have to go into military conflict like that. I disagree. You, you, if don't, you, bring you do it with else, certain countries. They'll bring you it do to with you. certain countries. You do with China, you do with Russia, and certain powers like that. But those are the ones but you need to many like. powers, the countries that, you know, let's say they do suppress their people or they do suppress their freedoms, like Syria, for example. Like, if the United States really wanted to shut down Syria, like, Putin is a Q5 member in the UN. Do you really think Putin's going to start advocating that, you know, we need to allow Bashar al-Assad to, you know, commit all these human rights atrocities on their people? Because sure he will. Because no he's the leader? They don't. They always play their words in a certain way. They're not Donald Trump. No, they're That's realists. The problem. Their actions they're, don't they're, match their they words. W- play, they play politics in a very particular way. They know that they need to eliminate certain people for them to have some benefit in the long run. Putin doesn't care about Bashar al-Assad that much that he's going to create some world conflict with all the other countries that he's doing trade negotiations. I disagree. I, I I feel like so many wars are started by proxy and they bring in major powers. And that's actually how world wars start. And I, I think war, world wars are inevitable given the global nature of society today, even more so than it used to be. And the consequences are dire this time because of the technology we have. We think nuclear bombs are powerful. We have bombs 50 times more powerful than nuclear bombs now. We have EMPs. We can wipe out the power grid of countries. They can hack into our power grid and shut it off and kill millions of people on the spot. But see, that's what I'm saying. We're playing with fire here. Nowadays, because you have weapons like that, you don't have to actually bomb anybody. Someone might, though. That's the problem. And if somebody does that, the whole world is going to go against them. And my point is that- Who's going to be able to fight against them? (laughs) 
if like if they EMP country, America, if some or, co- some country like that was to do something like that, literally, if right now the reason why nothing that bad happens in the world is because of the United States. If you have some country like China that's like, all right, I'm gonna bomb Iran for no reason, the United States steps up. And basically just the fact that America's there shuts down everything. They're like the, you know, it's kind of like you remember basketball games, right? Where you used to have Yao Ming on the Houston Rockets. The dude was like seven, six, and he had all these other players there. Yao Ming sucked at defending. He was just really tall and, you know, made points because he was really tall. But just the fact that he was there intimidated the whole other team. I remember going to watch a basketball game where it was the Bobcats and the, in the Rockets and the Bobcats lost by like 40 points because Yao Ming was there. He didn't yeah. do anything, but, hold on. but he but was there. But let's that's say, the United States in this situation. Let's say I see Yao Ming, but I also see that he's can't he's tripping over himself and he can't actually manage. So it doesn't matter how intimidating he looks when I know I could press him and nothing will be done about it. Mutually assured destruction will only work for so long. And we've come so close that I don't want to ever risk that again. So I see the hesitation, but I also see the need to be powerful against these dictators. We can't let them take over the world. I, I so I'm just, sympathizing with you. I'm just, there yeah. are certain areas where I'm disagreeing. I, I agree that there's a lot of flaws to whatever I'm saying. And the fact is that, there's yeah, There's no one answer. I'm not, yeah, obviously. Yeah, and so. I'm not, I don't want military, I don't want people's lives to be lost. I'm making an argument that nowadays, if we were to go to a tactical war, you wouldn't have as many people on the ground. You would in some countries. But the fact is that if America was to want to start a war with some country like Bahrain. What about Taiwan? Taiwan, we need millions of people to defend it. Literally, if Taiwan's attacked and we know we're supposed to be protecting them outright, there's going to be a draft. Millions of people are going to be sent on ships over to Taiwan. That's just a fact. Your argument, though. What, why would America risk their lives to support Taiwan? Well, why would they I, go against China? But my I point agree, is but, that, I, I, but like, it's not to change a regime. It's to protect the sanctity of the regime they want and cherish. Like, but I'm if okay they're willing that. to go to war to support Taiwan, then they would be willing to go to war to support some other country that is not you know, a potential partner with them. Not for a regime, regime change, though. Not to initiate a regime. We're not initiating regime change in Taiwan. But wouldn't that happen? It would happen anyway. If America gets involved in any military conflict around the world, regime change is inevitable because something is going to change. You might not change it the way you want it to, but you will see a change. I it's it's very difficult for me to see that the default should be democracy. I'm not even sure that's true. I know you may disagree with that. I think the default has to be there's a certain list of rights everyone in the world has. I'm not sure that it has to come from democracy. I don't know if that's the answer, but I think there is, uh, there are innate rights to everyone. So I'm not sure if you can get that across in a non-democracy. I, I and that's my that's my point is that um, what is it? I I feel like you if there are countries that are suppressing their people, then if there isn't an X player that's involved that is trying to shut down that thing from going on or you know putting actions or you know somehow monitoring these countries that are in place that are suppressing these people then those countries will continue to suppress those people so would you the say that was true of the american revolution and like france was the, the only reason no, we were see, able to win i that? feel like our times have changed whenever american revolution or french revolution or anything like that was in place you didn't have as much like authority that the government had over their people. There wasn't as much censorship. People just went around doing their thing. It's not like, you know, with England, England was like in a whole other country. 
So they have certain what, officials what is censorship? in here, here. Taxes is taxes could be censorship. The no, fact but, that you're paying an outside organization your money, that's censorship in a way. That's censorship, but I'm talking about censorship of literally everything that people can do. So sure. people monitoring their phones, monitoring internet, controlling who they contact, yes. who they talk to, the what they talk about. The means by which they can yes. control people have certain I think changed. that's changed. So I feel like back in that time, revolution was much easier. Russian Revolution, French Revolution, American Revolution. Obviously, they were much more bloody than they would be nowadays. But like there was a much more easier way to actually revolt against the country because the country had was involved in so much things, but they weren't involved in so many other things. Here, like if there were people that were like, all right, we want to revolt against the country, then the government is all obviously hearing everything that they're talking about. So they would just shut down those people before they start anything in the first place. I Again, just feel I, like it's I'm different. not sure. I, I think it might, it is definitely different with, with regards to technology, but as far as willingness to control citizens. I think that nowadays revolutions are that easy. The reason we, I can But I don't think they were ever free. easy. Like I no, really no, no, don't. No, but not easy, but I feel like, you don't think they're like, possible. You think it's not possible. Yeah. But I, I don't think at, that's, I don't know if that's look, true. I want it to be possible. I believe that countries should rise up, like whether, regardless of America's there or not, like they need to establish countries that have people have equivalent civil rights in that country. The fact that a government has a monopoly over power and they restrict everybody from doing everything that, you know, does anything against the government, that's horrible altogether. But that's the majority of the world. If America as the bastion of democracy does not, even if we have our flaws, but if America doesn't step up to actually, you know, criticize anybody, then it's going to continue. Who, why would, why would the government allow their people to revolt against them? And why would their people have enough rights to revolt against them in the first place if they're an authoritarian government? You don't use rights to revolt, but I will say certainly technology and the internet, it's, it's much easier to control it, but that also gives power to revolutionaries. I can communicate with someone across the country. I could communicate with someone across the world. Yeah, so but they will suppress. They will suppress that communication. Dude, I there's no, no, but there's ways around that, like VPNs and proxies. Like just to think, you're like it's a cat and mouse game, and I I see advantages to the people trying to rebel as I see advantages with the regime. No, but, so I just see, I'm not confident that it's. I don't even know if it's easier now. Looking back at history, look at how many revolutions fail and how many succeed. Almost all of them fail. So. Just because it hasn't happened recently doesn't mean it's impossible. I will say just the geopolitical nature of the world right now, we have these countries that are basically solid. Like we're not changing borders of countries, except Russia wants to change some of them. But generally, we don't really have these borders changing anymore. In the past, we did. So I'll say that is a major difference. But mm -hmm. as far as people's willingness to rebel against the system, I think humans have something innate within them that causes them once they, they hit a tipping point to rebel. And I don't think even with as much technology as you think that these, these dictators will be able to just get away with it. Like, I just don't. But my, my point is that they have, that's the issue with what you're saying. I, I like that thought, but the fact is that apart from Egypt, all these other Middle Eastern countries have tried to rebel. And they've all failed because but they're not. It's not like they're done. We're, the game's not over, dude. Twenty twenty one is not the end. No, but the fact is that time. all these all these revolutions spark up at one point. If they get suppressed at one time, then it might happen once more. But then, if it gets suppressed enough, then no one really wants to stand up against the government because they're still living in that country. So the fact is that if all right, it's kind of like your human life argument, right? 
So if you were a citizen in this country, and let's say, let's say I'm Pratik, I live in Iran, I am anti the Iranian government, and I want to revolt against the Iranian government, but I also want to live, because everybody still wants to live. By so the way, if you revolt against the government, you have to say you're not going to live. That's the only way revolution would work. Okay, exactly. Right. But now the fact is that most people are not willing to live, give up their lives. Unless another actor comes in and says, okay, well, I see there's issues here. I see somebody, I see the Iranian government as, you know, killing off people that they don't like. We have this whole argument about civil rights and, you know, promoting gay rights in our country. People do you in think Iran the, do you are think not even the majority. allowed to like. Do you, think the, um, do you think that outside portion is the majority of what's causing the change? You, re- you don't think from internally, most of the jobs done internally? I only I, I agree that you may need an outside force, but it just seems no. so secondary to me. It seems I like think that's just to tip it over the edge. I think that's what has changed over the last 30, 40 years. The fact that there's so much government has so much monopoly over these people's lives on literally everything but that they, they always do in authoritarian have. governments. They have. have, but things have changed. You weren't allowed you weren't really able to restrict people and what they were able to say in the 1980s because they didn't only they didn't have that many forms of communication yeah but i can i now can go on a private form of communication that no one else has access to like you can't even censor me i could develop an app that will provide me encryption so you can't i could use blockchain so you can't find my communication think about it there's ways around it you're in america you have that ability to do that it's no no if you have the internet it's true you could do it anywhere no, but the internet is different and regulated differently in every other country around the world. Yeah, but you in can use VPNs like, and proxies, dude. I'm telling yes, you, there are ways but, around the technology. There are ways. But governments in those countries have more control over VPN technology and over privacy and all that stuff. But what they I'm always have. Is, is, They've always had that monopoly of force. They've always had the monopoly of technology and somehow revolutions have still been able to occur. But in the 1960s, or 70s, it's not that the long Iranian ago. Revolution, it's a, it's a, which was the last revolution, in 1979, when the Iranian Revolution happened, did people have internet? No. Did people have phones? No. Did people have really television apart, apart from like maybe three or four channels? No. They didn't have all that technology access in place. So whenever a government becomes a monopoly and controls literally everything like that that happens in that country, then look at look at Syria, for example. The reasons why Syrian people are suppressed to such an extent is because half of them don't even have access to the internet. They're not allowed to go on the internet. And if they are able to go on the internet, literally everything that they do on the internet is like, you know, censored. So even if you were to use a private VPN or anything like that, the government itself has control over no, all no, those things don't. because you give, there's not that many VPNs. You give the government far too much credit, especially with regards to, to technology. All of this technology, sure, some of it's developed by the military, but it's largely developed by private enterprise, individuals creating the technology, and individuals are able to outwork governments. But Tyler, governments you live do in not... America. You live in America. No, but America. The, the problem I have, the problem I, I know too much about technology. What you're telling me, I understand what you're saying, but I'm promise you that it's not an absolute. And I don't think we have nearly enough data. We have 20 years where the internet's basically been. We have 15 years where maybe it's been widespread. I can't assume, given 15 years that we all we know now, it's impossible for revolution to happen. And I also know we've tried regime change, and it's been a crapshoot. So. I think we need more data. I think we need more time to prove that theory right. But if it is right. Do you have time, dude? 
if there is a country what what is the right time spent if there is a country that is killing off anybody that disagrees with them what is the right time to step in there isn't a right time like if you i mean obviously but me no, no, i neocon, disagree there is i would argue i, 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 I would argue as a neocon i would argue that there are times you need to play your cards. You need to figure out what's the right process and how to do things. You need to have a game plan before you step in. But that's always that's true. All, that's anything. always true. Yeah. But it the fact is that people themselves in a lot of these countries, and the reason why I say that is a lot of those countries don't have the same technology as the United States. Countries yeah, like yeah. Bulgaria, for example. Okay, <laughs> Dude, let me go to I'm Bulgaria. Sorry. No, no, this, it's, just, Philippines. It's, just, it's just not like, I promise you, I promise you they have the technology. Like, I... I I promise you they do. I'm not saying everyone has access to all the internet, but I'm saying they have access. They have ways to get around the government and the government moves so slowly. It's not impossible to outsmart. That's, that's the United States government. No, 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 no. no. I'm talking any Dictatorships government. Dictatorships and authoritarian governments have a monopoly over everything. Literally in China, if they want to build a bridge, they get that bridge done in like months. For you know, America, that bridge the, takes like 10 years. Reddit is Reddit is banned in China and yet people from China comment on Reddit. How do you think that's possible? Like, that's what I'm trying to say. It's, it's not cut, it's cut and dry as you would like to think. Like I okay. personally, I could use the dark web. Like there is a million ways I could get around this. If you know technology, you know the government is the last like they're not the bastions of technology they harbor the technology but they're not they're not the ones improving it there's always there it's always a cat and mouse game but i think see, that, that people what, can overcome that what i'm trying to say though is like where we would find a middle ground is that certain countries like china have a much more intelligent population that has been allowed to have certain things even if they're a communist country where people are educated to some extent so that they're able to you know be knowledgeable about a lot of things. Some countries are not like that. There are dictatorships around the world, like North Korea, for example, where their people are like literally uneducated populations that have not been aware of literally anything. They don't have computer access. They don't have computers. Like there's a lot of- That's, that's not true. They do. I, I, well, so it, they definitely do. And what they do is they recruit their top programs to be in the government. And so that's how they get around it. I will say North Korea only exists because of China, but there's nothing we can do about that. What are we going to go to war with China? Like, what, yeah, what do that, we do? That, that's my point is that you have certain groups, countries like that, where their people themselves are really restricted on rights. So even if they have access to certain things or if they don't have access to certain things, they don't really have a voice and they don't really have an totally. opinion that they can really raise. And regardless of like censorship, obviously I don't know how all the world censorship works as much as you do, but some, I do feel like certain populations around the world can't really raise a voice. So there's no really real way that they can actually spark a revolution without I think, any foreign assistance. I think you're underestimating the power of the individuals and the power of just people around the world. I have communicated with people around the world. I know they're so, so, so smart. I'm not saying everyone is, but enough are that they would. And I'm not saying it happens tomorrow or the next day. Maybe it happens in 50 years. My timeline is different than yours. It's not like I see it and it's like we fix now. It's we have to see how this progresses over time. We can't just, we have to be very careful. I think uh, the only difference I really have is I think you're a little more gung-ho about it. That's the only difference. Because yeah. it's, it's not even that I disagree with you. I just see it as I can't implement a value system on a different culture, given that they'll see it as an oppressive dictator 
even if they're being oppressed, they'll say you as the oppressive dictator. They'll and say you as the enemy. It'll unify them against you, not unify them against the government we're trying to take out. See, with the gun code thing, my, my argument is still that, like, all right, these people will feel oppressed. So should we just not do anything? Just let them be oppressed because then be like, all right, if we I come in. I think that's in- a tipping point. You know, I, I think if they could show enough signs that is actually occurring. I just don't think if they're like North Korea, for instance, I believe one day that regime's dead. I don't think that can last forever. I think dictatorships only exist by the virtue of the power of the people. And sure, the government could certainly oppress the people. But if there's no no one willing to go with your system, your government doesn't exist. They'll take you out. That's how no, humans work. That that's that's also part of how humans work, though. If they take you out, if they take out everybody that is against them, eventually people will be like, "All right, I don't want to die, so let's just live in this government." I okay, mean, well, it's gonna happen. Like, look at the might... Soviet Union. Look at Mao's China. It always ends. It always ends. Like they could. They, no, I'm not saying it wouldn't work for a period of time. I'm saying these authoritarian dictatorships inevitably end because it's against but human nature at the end of the day. It also depends on leadership. I say I, my opinion is just governments are that much more powerful than people are. And obviously with America. Power of the people. With, <laughs> with America, we have a lot more things in place that allow people to be more powerful. But when the government itself controls literally all aspects of life, so they control internet, they control media, they control like, they control your lives basically, they control where you work, they control like what you listen to. Like there's certain aspects where eventually like the government has so much control. America has never been like that. Like I can argue that, oh, Democrats are much more liberal on all this stuff and much more socialist than Republicans are, but Democrats are not anywhere close to certain countries like that where like people are literally like you know breathing because the government allows them to breathe the only thing i have to say is i know what values i'd be willing to die for so i i could be empathetic i could put myself in these people's shoes there are certain things i would be willing to die for the reason i have so much hope in them is because i see within myself what i know exists in other people they have things there are lines they're not willing to cross if if enough people are not willing to cross the line the illusion of the government disappears I'm pro people party too, man. I, I get what you're saying. But I, 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 I'm, I'm not just, saying you're not. I'm not saying you're I know, not. I, I, just, just, I, I just feel like people in self. Like, you can't hey, tell what? people what to do. Even, even if you're telling them what would be best for them, people don't even necessarily know what's best. So if you're an outside force, they'll say you as the enemy. They won't see necessarily their leader as the enemy. They won't, maybe not. It's so it's very complicated. I would like to believe everyone would end up at our values, but I don't, I'm not sure that's the answer. I'm not. I don't know that's the case. I haven't seen that to be the case. And I and I understand what you're saying about how we have the freedoms to even discuss this. Totally get that. It would be much easier in a country like this to get some change to happen. But I, that's not to say, in my eyes, that it's impossible. And again, I'm not saying outside help isn't part of it. I just think the majority of what causes a revolution is internal. I don't Lenin. I don't think someone outside told Lenin to make that happen. To, like I just don't see I, that. I see, I just feel like with that stuff, though. Like as I said, my only argument is that post 1990, there hasn't really been many revolutions because a lot of these governments have a monopoly over people's lives. Yeah, I would and like to get Nick's opinion. I don't. I, I'm not sure about the revolution thing. I, I I'm just pleading ignorance. Um, Nick, do you okay. know if there have been revolutions since the 90s? Or Pratik could be right. I don't know. 
Yeah, dude, you had the Just whole the Arab Georgia. Spring. Well, no, we talked about the, the Arab Georgian Spring. Revolution. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, there have been revolutions. Look Any at successful Tunisia, revolutions? Look at successful. Are you, um, are you judging it off success? Because again, yes. I would just say it's timeline. Thirty years. I, I'm is, judging it off your nothing. success. Thirty years well, is nothing in the. We all have revolutions, scheme. dude. We had like even our Wall Street revolution. This is technically a revolution, but one percent I mean, or whatever. 99%. Yeah, but yeah, but you have a revolution. I'm just talking about success rates. Obviously, like the European, like you know, Balkan regions, they had their. Oh, what was it? What is it? Balkans, right? Serbia. Croatia, are they considered the Balkans? Yugoslavian revolutions. They existed, but I mean, like, they weren't, I mean, this Yugoslavia is- What's your different. evidence that in the past it was more successful? Like, I'm not sure that these revolutions, the same amount of revolutions didn't occur in the past and failed. Like, I, that could have happened for all I know. And I think it probably did. I don't have the evidence to say that. I, I'm arguing that a lot of the countries in power that are very authoritarian, have been in power since the 1990s mm-hmm. and they're going to continue to be in power. I'm not saying that you haven't had small countries have revolutions. You haven't had many and the ones that have happened, they haven't been successful. And I'm arguing that success rates are a major factor in, in motivating people to rebel against those countries. Because if they fail twice, they're not going to try it a third time be like, all right, third time. That's time's not true, dude. Just because, just because, like your life is shit so much, you want to go die for something, doesn't mean you wouldn't be in that same situation in ten years. Like, I don't think people give up. Like, look at the history of humanity. People don't give up. They they always rebel. Always they always fight. It's just in us. So I, you know, I just don't think we've had enough time to prove it. But honestly, we probably could look back at history and find some statistics on how many revolutions occurred over X number of time and how many were successful. Because I'm sure the data exists, but. I, I'm not scholarly enough to go and find it. So I think the last successful revolution revolutions were like, I think Czechoslovakia had a revolution where the Slovakian Republic wanted to separate from the Czech Republic. And so yet Slovakia and Czech Czech Republic made from Czechoslovakia. That was like in 2006 or 2007. That was like the last successful. So you, successful you, you admit a lot of people try at the very least. Like it, the they government try. having power is not stopping people from trying, right? I think our difference is that we look at motivation of people very differently. I would just, I am more on the side that I feel people want change, but they're not going to go voice it because they know what are the consequences of them voicing it. But, but also if someone else voices it, their life is still on the line just as much. Like just because America comes in, they're still going to be killed by the government. If they side with the Americans, they're still have, it's like, they're just being told to go to war instead of doing it themselves. What I'm saying though, is like in that case though, people still want what they want. You're just not willing to voice it because they don't want to die. Well, they don't want it and, enough then. And that's just and ha- I, that's sad, but that's just the state and of the world. That's where we differ. I have the feeling that people want stuff, but everyone values their human life a lot more than everything else because they have a lot more things to live for. I it's disagree, dude. Them. Like I said, it's dude, not I just them. They have <laughs> their family you. to live for. If they decide it. they're going to go revolt, they'll kill off the entire family. You want what's best for your family, though, moving forward. So if they're going to live in an oppressive regime, no, it's but better they, they won't live. Fight. My point is that this, I disagree. you're debating. 
whether whether they'd live or they wouldn't live. I'm arguing that if these people raise up their voice, they kill off their whole family, so they're not willing to do people that. People are willing to die. I'm telling you, they'll get to a point where they're willing to die because life isn't worth it anymore. It's not the default is life is worth it and I have to do everything to be alive. The reason people have revolutions and risk their life is because they know they're fighting for something greater. Like I personally, and I've thought about this a lot, there are things I would be willing to die for. There are things in this country that if like free speech was changed, I'd be willing to die for that fight. I really, really would. And I know other people feel that way. I just, I see everything as starting with the individual. I'm pretty sure that's the case. I'm just arguing that America and how we look at things is very different from a lot of these people. A lot of these people live in really collectivistic societies where if they decide that they're going to go raise their voice against the government, other people in that society will rat them out and they're done for. And the fact that happened in the Soviet Union and, you know, they were able that it got crushed. But that's different. What I'm saying is 1919 is very different from 2021. No, 90s. There's a lot crushed. 1990s when the Soviet Union ended. Oh, yeah, yeah. but that's different, too, because Gorbachev was there. Gorbachev was a much more liberal leader. than. But he's the outcome of of what? A failed authoritarian system? Not necessarily. He was the outcome of them running out of Russian leaders. Not necessarily that, all right, they didn't have anybody. Like, if they had somebody like Stalin in place, the USSR breakup would have never happened. But their financial resources were that depleted that they had to open up, which caused them to eliminate. And the fact is that a lot of these other leaders, leadership in other countries, like China, for example, if America never opened up China in the 1970s, China would be a democracy right now in 2021. But because we opened them up in the 1970s and we became allies with them and we allowed their government to exist and started trading with them, and with us starting to trade with them, the rest of the world starting to trade with them, that's what allowed China to become probably the most powerful country in the world, if not the second. I agree. Right now. And that's just because we allowed it to happen. If we shut down things, if the fact is that- Well, we can't know the future. At the time, I understand why they did it. Like, let's be yeah. real. If we're in the 70s and we have the opportunity to have China as a trade partner, we know we're both going to end up much better. If we're back in that situation with the knowledge we have, we make the same decision. No, but really- see, the reason why we supported China was not because we wanted them to value them as trade partners, because China's economy was in the dump back Because they're cheap as like, fuck. No, manufacturing is cheap as fuck. No, but it wasn't. It wasn't that trash. It was, it was much more trashy back then because under the Mao regime, anybody that had any type of government like ownership, like literally owned anything, they were put to death. And how if did, there was how anybody did... that had more money than anybody else, they were put to death. So the system there is sucked in the first place. G-J- how did they change it? How did Mao's system end? Let me ask you. Mao Zedong died. I get Mao that. Mao Zedong but, died. But, that's but, how that's, but that, but that Zedong doesn't Zedong show you. That can also happen in other countries, right? And like, it's yeah, not, things aren't but permanent. Mao Zedong died because of natural causes. If you really wanted to change how government works, you can change it by killing off their leadership. Like Castro, you like just, we tried. <laughs> you just have to plan it properly. And you just have to, you know, be involved in the, in the change process. I'm arguing that because like, look, with China, they changed. Deng Xiaoping was a 10 times better leader than Mao Zedong was. 
when Deng Xiaoping came into power, literally the next person after Mao Zedong yeah, yeah. who had been in power. It was for like, like half capitalist, years, half. Deng Xiaoping was a moderate communist. Yeah. Like a moderate communist sounds crazy, but to, I mean, in terms of China, half capitalist. he was a yeah, capitalist. Yeah. So he wanted to open up China because he saw China's financial resources were depleting, just like the Soviet unions did. And the Soviet Union collapsed in the 90s. If Deng Xiaoping didn't change up how their system worked, they would still be a... Uh, authoritarian government and they would have fallen apart okay in the 90s. so let me ask Look you at this. how bad cuba is not like okay, cuba let me has like ask the you strongest this. economy in the world why why is it more effective to change the regime when so many of these authoritarian regimes kill themselves why why is it us that have to destroy them when they'll do it themselves inevitably because how many people's lives are going to be lost in that country trying but to you, they're going to be life. lost regardless you're making a choice doesn't matter but i would rather you get involved because if their lives are going to get lost regardless, why make the next four generations suffer for it in that country just because you are not willing to take a stand and go against that country? we're potentially just making a new enemy by doing that. But really, you already have them as an enemy. It's no, not, not like necessarily. These, it's not like these dictatorships and communist countries love the United States. But what States. they come in, what They're they suppressing become. suppressing stuff that happens from the United States. They don't yeah, allow but, any media to come from our country. That's like, not they're say, suppressing us. That's not to say what they will become will be also be that, though. No, but if you don't shut it down at the right time, or if you allow them to open up, the fact that China is an authoritarian government and the fact that their communism system still exists today is because of the United States. We are to blame. If anybody is responsible, we're responsible. Because if America never opened up to China, China would have fallen apart the same way that the USSR did. Okay, USSR killed off its people. They had their government system. They had their problems. They suppressed their system. But eventually- But what does that have to say about your argument for regime change? I don't think that speaks to the argument about regime change. I think that it's both. If you advocate for a regime to exist, that's the same as you allowing that regime to exist. Now, if you shut down that regime, you sanction them, no one, you basically cut off all tra trade and ties with that country. And then other countries follow suit because literally everyone follows whatever America says. They're just like the Soviet Union was back in the day when the Soviet Union had their sphere of influence. Whatever they said, everybody else did. If they follow that model, then if America decides that they don't want to trade with some country like China, Eventually, everybody's going to follow suit. Now, the problem is China is that powerful nowadays. If China was in the 70s as what they are now, where they were falling apart and they didn't have any like financial resources and they were depleting and half their population's dead, then the system back then would be very different from the system now. If America decided that they're not going to open up with China, China would have eventually fallen apart and Taiwan would have become China again. And, and I, I agree with, I, I pretty much agree with what you said. The only point I'll make is I don't think that has to do like, I think, I, yeah, I think again, going back to China, there's a military takeover though. I'm look, not if, saying it's look, always we're, You're Nixon. We're in 73, 74. They yeah. go, Hey, we can open up trade with China. Given the information you have, you're doing that. Right. Because like, why wouldn't you, you don't know yeah, the possible outcomes in 50 years. Why wouldn't you make that? Because, if what like Nixon's how could argument, you if nixon's argument was the soviet union is a communist country and they're suppressing their people and 
all right, we're democracy, we're the opposite of communism, then if you advocate, if you go against Soviet Union, you should also go against China because they're in legitimately the same thing. Now, Deng Xiaoping reached out because Mao Zedong died and he was like, yo, let's open up relations with the United States. We're going to be more but democratic, essentially, if, is what if, he said. If America was like, nah, screw you guys. We're not going to open up with China. But why would, China, I don't see that happening ever. I don't know why, why that would Why happen. did they? The fact is Money. that until their leader died, China killed off like 2 billion people. Something no, like that. I'm not million. sure exactly. 100, 100 million, I'm pretty right. sure, is the highest. Okay, whatever. It's a lot of people. Yeah. And they killed off all those people. And, you know, they were seen as the second in line to being the next Soviet Union. So if America did not open up Soviet Union, because if their argument was, all right, we're anti-Russia, we're anti-Cuba, we're anti-any government that has any type of socialist or communist tendencies, and they're going out of their way to try to shut these people down in Latin America and other countries like that, and, or Africa, they're going out doing all that stuff. What makes China special? Just because China said, hey, hey, guys, I know you guys hate us, but we want to open up relations with you guys because we don't want to die like all the other communist countries and we want to remain communist. The only reason Nixon decided to go up and like, you know, support China was he wanted them to have an additional front against the Soviet Union. No but money, dude. Money, money, money. Like, look at today. Look at how much now, we benefited now, from a relationship. But with that's China. 20 like, look, look years later. In the 1974 time when that relationship was made, the time period was very different. China didn't benefit the United States for the next 20 years until they were fully opened up and trading with people and building things in their country. At that one point, so before we developed minimum the third wage world laws country. were established, before there was labor laws in the United States to that extent, where China doesn't have any labor laws, before that existed, there was a much more equal playing field. Then China just became a lot larger because they changed up how they did things and the government built up a lot of their infrastructure built up a lot of their businesses that they were able to compete until that china was falling apart there was no incentive for the united states to open up with china apart from them being an ally against the russians that was it mm -hmm. and the fact is that if america didn't open up with china china would have fallen apart the same way Russia fell apart in the 1980 in 1989, the breakup would have happened because China wouldn't have had the financial resources to sustain. But, but also, building let's, this country. let's let's look at the Soviet Union. It's hard to say that things aren't basically on the same track that we're always on. Yeah, even but though that's it also fell. because of the United States, because the United States took no action in preventing Putin from being Putin and preventing some kind of leadership being in place that is literally like, uh, you know, a sustainable communist leadership system where you're just having Which an authoritarian leadership. Yeah. <laughs> sustainable but communist system does not yeah. actually okay. exist anywhere. But I'm not saying Putin is a communist either because he's technically still an oligarch. The dude just like supports his big Russian people. He's just an authoritarian there. demagogue. Yeah. It's, yeah, exactly. But because that, that system has been allowed, that's how Russia has become this powerful. If America doesn't take a stand at the right time and she's pressing and shutting down certain groups like that from having some kind of say in their government and suppressing everybody else, if America doesn't do that, it's going to happen because the governments have power over how people live. So I, the if, only thing I didn't know was uh, I didn't know that it was primarily as a counter to the Soviet Union. I thought yeah, most yeah, that of was the, the main reason. I thought it was all manufacturing, but maybe that no, was the result. No, at, at that time, and when I was reading Diplomacy, mm. um, Kissinger's book, Kissinger was the main guy, okay. was the architect of all this oh, stuff. Did I read, um, do you know who Christopher Hitchens is? No. 
He just no. wrote a he wrote an entire book just shitting on Kissinger, calling him the biggest war criminal of all time. <laughs> no, but see, he's what a Kissinger's plan was guy. is he was trying to break up Russia's sphere of influence from going into China. So if Russia is getting that powerful and they were becoming at that time, Soviet Union was much more powerful than the United States in terms of military capacity. So if Russia expanded its influence into China, they would have become a much larger Soviet Union because Nixon saw that once Mao Zedong dies, Russia will literally eat up China. So we had no choice is what you're what you're saying. Basically, that's how he saw it. But then whenever he saw that Deng Xiaoping was very different from Mao Zedong, he should have allowed it to fall apart. The same way that the Americans allowed Gorbachev to fall apart. If Gorbachev and Deng Xiaoping were literally the same person in two different countries and they were more moderate but you capitalists. Do think, you think Russia today is in a good spot? Like, I, I guess I, I'm trying to see why they I'm wouldn't just, just end up in the Like, it seems like... The, the government itself never really went so away in Russia when, or in China. When, whenever, um, what is it, Gorbachev shut down the Soviet Union and they had a Russian election and Boris Yeltsin won. After Boris Yeltsin won and he installed Vladimir Putin to be his vice president and then Vladimir Putin potentially assassinated Boris Yeltsin and took power in Russia. If that system didn't work out that way and if America was involved in their elections, we could have prevented that from happening. I'm saying that, all right, Russian uh, election meddling is bad, right? That's how we look at it. But election meddling to prevent some authoritarian government to be back in power again is good because you wasted all that time and all that resources and all those energy and all those people's lives and trying to advocate for something. So when you're in that situation and you can monitor an election to make sure that the right outcomes happen, even if you are suppressing their, you know, democracy in some way, you're suppressing it for the better because if they elect some idiot like Vladimir Putin to be in power and then Vladimir Putin eats up the entire election process, then like until they what, realize, what did you accomplish? Until they realize <laughs> the Americans meddle with their election and that's a democracy meddling with their democratic election. So America doesn't actually believe in democracy. So I'll just hang on to whatever system I have. No, but see, if America did that, We've I just I'm just saying we've had examples of us trying to to do it and failing. There's a benefit to that too. If America suppresses their elections and suppresses their systems, in many cases, Iran's an exception where this didn't happen. But they could elect somebody like Mohammad Mosaddegh, like they did in Iran at one point, where the people themselves are rising up against their government and they're installing somebody that they feel is the right person. And but the fact is that if America is involved, they can make some of that stuff happen, even if they hate us. There's benefits either way for those people. Now, if America allows they might, happen, even if there are benefits, I don't know if they'll see it that way. It's perception is reality. It doesn't matter. It does I don't matter. Care if people, I don't care if people like Americans or don't like No, Americans. no, but it does matter because what America represents is the value system we're trying to implement in but, their country. But in the end of the day, if you're worried about soft power and you're worried about the influence that you have, in that kind of situation where you have somebody like Vladimir Putin come into power, that soft power stuff all goes down the drain anyway. So in that situation, if America meddles in those elections, even if they don't like the United States and they don't care about our values and they don't care about what we do, they're still going to try to create a system where they, their people have rights and they're the ones choosing somebody that they want. That's much better. I don't care about the United States in this argument. Obviously, like yeah, but me from as my an perspective, American, if I'm like in some random country and we have this government, I don't like them. But then I find out that we have an election and then Americans actually decided who was going to win. To me, the idea of America 
the reason the reason soft power is a thing is because if we're trying to implement our value system onto another country, they have to respect our value system. If our values go against, or if we're a meddling in the election, we're already going against their values. What do we stand for and why should they also believe that? Why shouldn't they view us as an enemy trying to control them? I would view it that way. That's why right. I see it from that perspective. Thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 25 of Politicana. We certainly got heated at certain points in this discussion, but ultimately it was in the spirit of good, honest, productive conversation, and we hope you were able to take something away from this. Please stay tuned for our next podcast coming up this Sunday, and until then, I hope you have a great weekend. Take care.